Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome to another podcast. I'm your host, Shane, and today I have a very special guest. He is my brother, Stephen. He is going to be my best man at my wedding next year, so it's fair to say we're pretty close. Um, but as we go through this conversation that we're about to have, we'll find out that we are close, but at times we've wanted to kill each other. Um, is that right, Stephen? That's very true. It's very true. Um and we'll basically talk about my depression and what he thought growing up, how he reacted to a lot of those situations, and we're just basically going to chat about it now. We're both pretty nervous about this, just um, to put it out there, um, because we've never actually sat down and had a conversation like this before, so it's going to be very raw. So welcome, Stephen. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so he's very nervous. So we'll get started. So um, firstly, let's talk about... Our childhood growing up, uh, we were we were friends. Um, yeah, we were friends. But at the same time, we did fight, didn't we? Yeah, all the time. Most of the time. Most of the time? Yeah. And we wanted to kill each other, didn't we? I think you wanted to kill me more than I wanted to kill you. <laughs> Why was that? Why did I want to kill you more? You're always angry <laughs> at me. I don't know what I did. All right, so that brings us into this, this I guess, the topic uh, we'll first talk about. You know, what did you think of me sort of between those ages of 13 and 18 through those high school years where we were growing up? What did you think of me as a person? Be honest. It's hard to remember. I think towards 18 and around that age, I was just stayed away from you. I was just, every time I went near you and you'd bite my head off for some, over nothing. Yep. Um uh, we were always friends, but yeah, I spent most of my time steering clear of you. So you basically tried to stay away? Yeah. Do so you think I was basically a drama queen? Oh, yeah. You were a drama queen. So I overreacted. Still are. <laughs> <laughs> I overreacted to little things, didn't I? Yeah. Mainly little things. Yeah. The littlest of things. Yeah. So, and as I spoke about in my podcast, did you listen to my podcast? Most of it. <laughs> listen to mums and Alicia's, but didn't listen to mine. Um, so as I explained in my podcast, I did uh, react to those little things um, quite badly. And you, I guess you copped the brunt of it living with me. And, um, we're always around the footy club and career club together and stuff like that. So, um, you know, as I want to know what you thought about my suicidal tendencies through that age, because I did threaten to... Um, harm myself and threaten to kill myself. What did you think through that time of all that? Well, I copped it a bit and a lot of phone calls and messages from yourself or friends or sometimes random females saying your brother's saying this, your brother's saying that, and I just thought you were bluffing. I never called you on the bluff because, as I said to people, if he's not bluffing, I could never forgive myself. But I just thought it was all big act. I had no idea what was going on. Didn't understand it. What, why, why do you think I was acting? What did you think I was sort of going to get out of that? Did attention? You, yeah, you thought I was... Attention? Looking for attention from... I think, I think because it was on Facebook, the attention. If it wasn't on Facebook, I would have thought more seriously into it. But because it was when you're drinking and the statuses would go up, I'm like, this is just fucked. Like, what do you want out of this? Like, to me, it was a bit... I actually, I actually agree with you. It was like... And I've spoken about this before. It definitely was attention-seeking and 
um, overreacting and stuff like that. But it wasn't, as you said, it was those little things. It wasn't those little things in my mind, which um, I know you understand a lot more now about the, those thoughts and stuff like that. So I turned 21 and I spoke at my uh, 21st yep. and I basically put everything on the table. What did you think then? You cried, didn't you? A little bit, a couple of tears, but I don't know if I've ever told you this. Before your 21st, I went into the bathroom when you weren't there and I found your speech and I started reading it and I read the first few lines. I'm like, fuck this, I'm out here and threw it back and walked out. I'm like, I can't deal with that. So I knew before going into your 21st that you were going to do it. I tried to mentally prepare myself, but it still didn't really work. Everyone was crying though. Everywhere you looked, there was people crying. How can you not cry? So was that one of the first moments that you actually thought this is actually real or did you still think that was attention? Um, it was more real, but I still didn't understand it. Yeah. I never. I was one of those people that just never understood what was behind. I just didn't get it. Yeah. Like I was like, well, I've got such a good family, such good friends, and I was that person that was oblivious to the fact that it is a real thing. And I'm, I was good looking. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Good as four. You're the favourite. Oh, favourite child, but you weren't good looking. I'm still a favourite. I think I'm the only one that got the looks out of the family. <laughs> um, so, a few months after that, um, I guess when the female partner went overseas and things started getting worse, did that hit home to you of how real it was? I saw a psychologist and I started, I was on put on medication. I don't know how much of you knew, you knew of that at the time. No, I got shielded from it. Yeah. Mum wouldn't tell me. She thought she was protecting me, but I felt like I was out on the outer because no one would tell me what was going on except for dad. Dad would tell me. So I didn't even really know what was going on, to be honest. And how, like, do you wish you did know? I wish I knew more, but. Even though, even though it was hard, it would have been hard for you. Yeah, but. I can't support someone if I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I never knew what to do. I never knew how to support you. But if I don't know, what, what I, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. i just got to sit there and guess what's going on. And I was 19 at, yeah, 19 at the time. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. So, you, you would have liked to have known more. Just to learn help. more about it. Yeah. And learn more. Um, then, I don't know... How you found out, but I tried to take my own life February 6, 2010. Um, how did you find out about it? Phone call. Who from? Not mum. I spoke to mum and she sugarcoated it and protected me from it. And then I spoke to dad and he said, he straight up just told me what was going on. And I was like, thanks for telling me because mum didn't want to tell me because she wanted to protect me, but I'm old enough. To know what's going on. Yeah. But I still remember getting the phone call. I still remember where I was and when I spoke to Dad and what he said. And I don't particularly remember what Mum was saying, but I remember I was annoyed about it because I knew there's something going on, but she wouldn't tell me. Yeah. So those things stick in your memory because I still remember that time. That was when I was sort of like, okay, this is this is real. I where, still don't, I don't get it. Where were you? Chernside, Carnell. Did you tell Carnell straight away? Yeah. I remember I, I was just sta- I remember I was standing, I remember I stopped at the time. And I was like, what do I do? How do I help? And Dad's like, there's nothing you can do. The hospital now, blah, blah, blah. And that was, I think, the moment I still didn't get it. Still didn't understand it for years. But that was the moment, I guess, everything changed for there was, me. There's a switch that just kind of flicked that this is real. Yeah, this is real than, yeah, than I thought, I guess. Realer than the bluffing that I thought it was. Yeah, there's no bluffing anymore. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't message you the night before or anything, did I? It was... No, nah, not that I can remember. There was, there was nothing really at the time. 
No. Um, but Signal, I didn't put a post on Facebook or anything. No. It was very quiet. Um, and I guess that's probably the scariest time. Yeah. Um, I guess, what did you and Carnell speak that morning about it? What What happened next? Do you? I don't remember. I don't remember what happened after that. It was blue, very blurry, blank. Yeah. I can't, can't recall what the rest of that day was like. I Just in shock? Yeah. I guess so. Confused. There's a lot to take in for it. 18, 19-year-old that's got no idea and thinks it's all bullshit. Yeah. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to do. When did, did you come in hospital? I can't remember I can't much. remember either. Yeah. Uh, I reckon mom, I did. Did mum try and shield you? I reckon I did end up coming in, but mum didn't want me to, I don't think. But you know what dad's like. He's just like, straight up. <laughs> I get it. But, you know, I don't remember the rest of the day. After this, I came out of hospital. Do you remember... I guess what happened the next couple of years, like I, I was up and down. I threw those tantrums still. I ran away from home. I was still cracking at those little, look, you're smiling and giggling now. Um, what was it like for you? Um, it was hard because I still didn't get it and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help, but uh, I don't know. I can't recall. I can't, like I just got images in my mind of different things that have sort of happened over the years. I don't know when that happened. I don't know what happened first, but what were those images? Just like from messages or one night you called me or you messaged me and said you were going to harm yourself and I worked so hard to get where you were out of here and it's been so difficult. I'm like, get in the cab, come home. I don't have any money. I'll pay for it. And I still remember you walking in the door when you got home, I think I paid like 60 bucks for the cab or whatever. Didn't say a word to me, walked straight past me, went to your room. I, I think I was like mum where I was like, he's safe now. That's I don't care about the money. I never cared about the money, but you wanted me to get, get ya. I know you did. You didn't want to be there. You were in some gutter in Heathmont just sitting by yourself. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but it's the same as mum. It's like, now I know you're safe. And I just got, I was thinking about yesterday, just bits and pieces like that going through yeah so i'll talk about that night actually so do you, do you know still not remember what happened that night or no i was so just trying i trying so hard to get you home so i was out somewhere you'd been drinking as well hadn't you yes yeah yeah um i was out somewhere and i guess i want to talk about this a little bit so people can come, become aware of how alcohol is not good when you're in this state of mind um, and that night I was out drinking and I was seeing a girl at the time and I got ridiculously jealous for some reason. I don't even know why. Um, so I got a taxi back to my car, um, and drove my car from Croydon to Ringwood. Um, yep. that's Heathmont. Two of the guys were at the house and they actually heard the car and ran out and I sped off. Um, it was one of the stupidest things I've ever done in my life. Um, and I drove to this girl's house, um, she and I'm glad she did. She blocked me from everything, social media. Um, and at a later stage, I got a friend to pass an apology to her because it was just ridiculous. And yeah, I remember Stephen messaging me exactly what he said, and yeah, got me home. And it took it took so long to get you home. Yeah, but I think I think I might have messaged one of your friends, girls, and that was what maybe got you started. But maybe and I've had a lot of people contact me over the years. Yeah, about different bits and pieces. Um, so over the after the years of me trying to take my own life, do you feel Mum still shielded you from everything? Yeah, much as she could. Yeah, and you wish she didn't. Yes, Mum's not probably not going to listen to this, so you can say what you want. <laughs> I think she'll always shield me from it. Yeah, she'll always shield, try and shield us from things that are going to upset us. But you're listening, Mum. Stop it, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, so 
for you through that time, I remember an incident we were just speaking about it before um, where we were driving. I just found out it was in another workmate's car and I lost my shit. I didn't even know why I lost my shit. You've just told me. So I want you to run through that story of how, of how simple the problem was and my reaction to that to show people that this is a sign or a symptom that someone is struggling when they react to something so small. Okay. So I think I remember you were trying to start the car, the car that you never driven before and you couldn't it just wouldn't start and you're getting frustrated and frustrated and i was just sitting there just waiting and you're like well can you give it a go i was like well why is it going to be any different when i turn the key to you turning the key and you lost it like it was i'm like whoa 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 okay and then i did actually start the car i got the car started and you're like see but yeah that was pretty full on and then it continued back to the job site the whole way you're just so angry and snapping at me and, and I threatened to basically harm myself, didn't I? You threatened to harm yourself with me there. Yep. Yeah. Um, was that scary? Or did you... It was scary. Or did you know that I wouldn't hurt I you? I knew you wouldn't do it because I knew that you wouldn't hurt me. Yeah. But it was. It was full on. It was yeah, obviously a bit scary, but I knew with me there, I knew with me in the car that nothing was going to happen. Like, you're not that stupid. Yeah. But it was over something so minor, wasn't it? Yeah, you just couldn't start the car. And you only attempted it like four or five times as well. After the second time, you started losing it. Well, what are you doing, mate? It's all right. <laughs> it's not our car. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but I guess I guess sharing that story is like in the hope that you out there understand that um, the little things, the littlest things that can be fixed so quickly – I mean, even if you couldn't get the car started, we could have called the guy and said, this is what's going on. We weren't far from the job site. No. Um, and we could have got it solved. But in my mind, it was the end of the world. And that's, I guess, that's what depression and anxiety can be. It's little things can feel so extreme. So looking back now, obviously, um, things have changed in both of our lives. You'll learn a lot more through me and through your own experiences. Like what would you, what would you advise someone that might be going through the same situation you are where their brother or their best mates showing all these signs and what are those signs and symptoms you'd look back and say, yep, there might be something wrong there. In hindsight, it's a lot easier to look back and say, yeah, I can see it now, but going through it, it was hard. I didn't really know what was going on, but I guess the moodiness and grumpiness was a lot more than normal. And that was probably the one thing that indication that something was going on, but I didn't pick up on it at the time. I can pick up on it now and see. I think as mum said, I do the same. We wait for you to sort of communicate with us to see what kind of mood you're in. I think you're better now. I think we don't, you don't really snap at me anymore. Snap at mum. I'm an Alicia. Cop it. Yeah. I'm glad I'm out of that box. Um, but yeah, I guess because you've grown up, mate, you're not immature anymore. Come on, mate. <laughs> um, he's lost. I don't know. I'm lost. He's lost. So it's hard. To, it's hard to say what to do in this situation because I was so shielded from it and I didn't know what was going on. And it's so hard to pick up on the signs. But I guess just being there is the only thing you can do. Yeah. Like being there and not pushing it. Like if I tried to push it with you and speak to you back then, there's no way I would have got anything out of you. You would have just cracked the shits at me and you wouldn't have spoken to me for the rest of the day. So I guess more just being there and not saying anything is better than doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. just trying, making sure they know that you're there. Um, advice for parents and stuff. So let's say um, 
basically put in that position where you've got a sibling that's going through something and the parents know everything, what advice would you give to them? Just fill the brother in or sister in as much as possible. Fill them in to an extent. It doesn't have to be um, every single detail, but I got shielded a lot from it and I had no idea what was going on. I'd rather know bits and pieces. I didn't need to know everything, but... I think you can't help someone if you don't know. Yeah. And if you, you're getting told stuff like, nah, he's fine. Nah, you know, he's not doing this. He's not doing, it's like, how do you help someone like that? So you need the support around you. So you need, you need to know more. Yeah. So over the last eight years, what have you done to help yourself? And I guess to help me through that period, because I've put a lot of stress on the family with my situation. Um, what did you do to manage? Oh, I just spoke to some of my closest friends. That's what I'd do most of the time, or my partner at the time, whichever one that one was. Um, but it was more just trying to be there for you and mum. It was like I was worried about mum and you at the same time. It was trying to be, I don't know how to explain it, trying not to put any of my problems onto you guys because I wanted to be there to help you, so you almost, and mum. So you felt like your problems didn't matter as much in your mind? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess that my problems were a lot smaller than what was going on in the scheme of things. And mum was trying to protect me, but I was trying to protect her and you and try and keep peace with the whole thing. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's, how did how did your friends and I guess your girlfriends react at everything that was going on? Did they think I was a madman, pretty much? Or yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. in the scheme of things, a lot of them did. You know, my friends are like that. They all think highly of you, and they think they understand it now a bit more. But they just—they didn't really judge. They just were there for me. Yeah, they just stood by me and listened to me. And I broke down a few times over the years. I remember we went away together with a few of the boys, and I was sitting on the end of, end of a pier, and I was just talking shit for a while about you and mum and all that. And they just sat there and listened, and that was the best thing for me. I didn't need anyone to tell me what to do or what to say or how to handle it. It was just I needed to talk about it. Yeah. So I guess they were my people I spoke to. I don't really do anything else apart from speak to the boys and my partner, but no one really gave me any feedback or anything on it. But you didn't need that. You just needed to speak. I just needed to speak. That was the only thing. Just get it off my chest and then just leave it. Yeah. Like, that was it. I felt better after talking about it and then I could go away and re- like it was just a way to refresh my memory, I mean my mind, and then just move forward and deal with whatever came our way as a family now, after that. Before we started recording, you actually said you feel like a hypocrite because you – are going to tell people to talk to people about their problems, but you said you don't do it. Now you've just basically said that you do do it. Yeah, I, I, I think I used to do it a little bit. I don't, I don't do it as much as I should, though. That's where I probably do it less now than I used to. But I forgot about that. I forgot that I used to speak to the boys, and I forgot about that weekend we went away. Um, but, yeah. But as you said, it made you feel better talking about it with them. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because you, it clears your mind. Yeah. And you can – that was my main objective. It wasn't – I don't need – I didn't need feedback. I didn't need people to tell me what to do. It was more – that was my way of getting everything out, refreshing, and then tackling what happened next. Yeah. Because I could go in with an open mind and just go again and try and do whatever I could do to help. Yeah. I think that's really – it's really good for people to hear because it's very important if you're helping someone with mental health issues or any issues, physical, work stress, anything, um, it is important that you have an outlet 
and it was obviously your friends are very good people um, and would do anything for any of us. Yeah, um, 100%. Probably mum more than us, but that's okay. Oh, probably me and then <laughs> mum and then you. Part of me, I just burped. Um, I guess the last thing I want to touch on um, before we leave it is 15 months ago, first day back at work, you copped a nail to the face, to your eye region. Um, and you haven't worked since, um, you've lived in living with, you know, some psychological, I guess, mental health issues no and guessing. some physical issues. You, don't, you can't hide in your jumper, mate. Um, and with those, I guess, with that mental strain on you, has the last 15 months, have you learned more in the last 15 months about what I went through than in the first 15 years, I guess? Yeah. Easy. And... How is it, I guess, how has it changed you as a person in terms of others? So let's not talk about, let's talk about uh, you would now help people. I think just being there for people is, and making sure they know that they've got people around them. I think I've, I've never, I mean, over the last year and a bit, I did, I'd sit back and not really do much, but in the last few months, I've sort of reached out to people that I haven't reached out to before and just made sure that they know that I'm here because I know they're going through stuff and I'm more of aware of the signs of it and seeing people that deny it, I know they're struggling. Yeah. So, I guess going through just, I mean, a little bit of it, you sort of work out what to look for and how hard it actually is on some people and people that don't talk about it, they're struggling the most. So, I've just tried to reach out a bit more do people like that? So it's look uh, looking at it now. Now that you understand it a lot more, do you think going back and maybe doing a bit of research yourself or um, getting some resources maybe would have helped you a little bit back then as well? Yeah, because if you don't go through something, you can't understand. It. You're never going to understand it properly. That's just that's just a fact of life. If you've never had a broken leg, you can't tell someone what's with a broken leg, how to feel, because you don't know what it feels like. Same with mental health. Yeah. So the best way, I guess, to understand it is, it's, is through resources or listening yeah. to people. You just got to educate yourself a bit more. And I wish I did do that, but I took the easy way out and I guess just went on with my life and mum wanted to shield me, so I just let everyone shield me. And yeah, there was not much I did about it, but. Looking back, I should have educated myself a little bit more and I think everyone should, to be honest, because I still got friends that that don't get it and I don't blame them for not getting it. Like, I never got it. Yeah. But I think it is a real thing and I think people should be educated and talk about it a bit more. Yep. You're like, get me out of this podcast. No, I'm just getting – I don't know. It's just like – it's just full on talking about it and thinking about talking about it with some of my friends and whatnot because – I've had to do that and it's emotional. Yeah, it gets emotional. I've always been a pretty emotional person, but um, you know, everyone wants to help. But yeah, some people just don't get it and I don't expect them to get it because I never got it. But would you like them to educate themselves a little bit more? Um, I think that's their decision. I don't, I would never make, I would never say they should educate themselves on something. Um, but I feel like everyone's going to go through something in their life that they're going to. Yeah, okay, well, this might be what it feels like. So to be prepared for that would be... Or they can have kids that are going to go through it. Yeah, Especially or family members closer to, close to them that they might not know about now, but at least you're prepared to um, know ins and outs a little bit more than... And then when it happens, you're there to help. Yeah. I guess more. So 
We're coming to the conclusion of this podcast. I think Stephen's pretty happy about that. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But we are going to record Stephen again um, and talk about what happened with his workplace accident uh, 15 months ago at some point in time um, because he has been off work and we know there is a lot of people out there that don't work and obviously the mental um, effects of that um, can be quite hard. I know personally when I go through a lean patch with my mental health and I don't work as much, I actually struggle worse with my mental health. There's a lot of time to think and stuff like that. So um, we will try and get him in. To record another one. Hopefully, hopefully we haven't scared him off too much through this one. Um, but I do want to thank you, Stephen, for coming in um, on behalf of myself and you out there listening, um, because hopefully it's given a better insight to others, brothers, sisters, family members, and even good mates, because that's what we probably are more these days um, on how to help um, others go through it what it feels like to be on the, the other side of it. So people that are going through depression, understanding that their family members are struggling and do want to know and do want to help and stuff like that, you just got to be open and honest about it um, and, I guess, not ram it down their throats. But just yeah, it's got to have that balance. Yeah, That's gotta, what I feel like. I guess the way you said that is I feel like I got it rammed down my throat. I didn't know anything about it, but because of everything that was going on Facebook and all this stuff was happening, it was getting rammed down my throat. And I was just like, I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. It's got to be that healthy balance where everyone's going to be there to support you. Like your family, if your family and friends don't support you, then they're not your actual family or friends because yeah. it doesn't matter the support people that you care about, um, but you just got to balance it, especially with people that don't understand so it. It's better for someone with depression to say, this is how I'm feeling. Um, this is what I want you to do to yeah. help me. And a lot of, a lot of times it's doing nothing. Yeah. But at least they know. Sometimes it's me telling you to just be quiet. Yeah. And I do that to people too. Yeah. I've done that to some of my closest friends. I said, I, I want to be alone, but if you come over, I'm not going to talk. Yeah. Just let me just sit with me. Yeah. 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 And that, I guess. It's, I giving, it's giving them the feedback so they know what to do. Yeah. Because if they don't know what to do, that's when it gets frustrating for them and they don't know how to help. And then I've had a lot of my friends come to me in the last six months. I'm glad you've spoken to us because we didn't know how to help you. We didn't want to message you too much because we didn't want to upset you, but then we didn't know how to handle it. So we needed you to come talk to us. And they thanked me for talking to them. And now it's more of an easier, better balance where they message me every now and then because I've told them, message me as much as you want. I'm not feeling up to it. Then I'll just say, look, I'm not feeling up to it. Yeah, It's just a give and take between you and your friends or your family. So it's basically being honest with them without being irrational. Yeah. It's it's bringing yourself back as the person who's struggling to not go leave me the fuck alone and be rude about it and yeah. just saying, look, I just need some space right now. Yeah. I'll get back to you when I'm feeling a bit better. Yeah, and that's the one piece of advice that I got from my psych is communicate with these people and explain to them what you need from them. So that's what I've done and that's made it so much easier on me with the way my friends are around me because they don't tiptoe around me but they used to because they didn't know how to deal with it. So it's more having that – it's just having one conversation with them and sitting down for five minutes and saying this is this is what I need and then you tell me what you need and then we move on. Yeah. And they don't need to understand. They don't, no, they, need, don't. they don't need to give you worldly advice to help you. They just – But a lot of time you don't want advice. A lot of time I want people – I don't want feedback from yeah. people. I, the last thing I want is people trying to give me – a solution. I don't want the solution. I just want a friend to be there, yeah, or someone to be there 
listen to me, even if I'm sounding stupid, and then just sit with me, and then we'll move on. Because you'll know it sounds stupid when it comes out of your mouth. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and then you're like, geez, that was really, really dumb of me. And, but you learn that way. You when you internalize your thoughts all the time, all the time, you go a bit insane. But as soon as you speak it out loud, you're like, oh, that is really stupid, and you yeah. move on. And I've had a few people that try and give me solutions, and I end up saying, well, look, I'm not going to continue talking about this if you continue to try and fix my problems. Like, I know... It's sort of, well, I guess with my injury, it's like I try to fix the injury and, you know, whatever, but I've got the people in place to try and fix that. Yeah. So I just need, like, a listening ear, not, oh, let's do this, 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 this. I'm doing this stuff. Yeah. I don't need someone to tell me, another person to tell me to do it. Just listen. Yeah. It's really good advice, I think. So uh, we will finish it there. So thank you, Stephen, uh, for coming in. Um, and hopefully we'll probably, do a, we'll probably do a few more podcasts in the future years. Jesus. <laughs> Um, thank you very much and thank you to you for listening out there and um, if there is anything send an email to me which will be in the outro bye bye thanks for listening to power strength and vulnerability the mental health podcast if anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings please call lifeline on 13114 for any further information or if you want to bring your story to life contact Shane at Shane at vitalityfit.com.au that's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y F-I-T-T dot com dot A-U